Hello, my name is Chris Russi. I'm a clinical assistant professor of emergency medicine at the University of Iowa Department of Emergency Medicine in the Carver College of Medicine in Iowa City, Iowa. Today we're going to talk about the difficult airway and management strategies for the difficult airway. The majority of this talk has come from Dr. Wall's textbook, The Manual of Emergency Airway Management. It's the second edition. This is available uh, through online bookstores. Uh, for order, or if you take his airway course, which I would recommend to all emergency medicine uh, and pre-hospital providers. So the objectives of the talk here are to review and know basic definitions uh, associated with the topic, that is the difficult airway. We're going to review bag mask ventilation technique. This, uh, as you will see later, is the cornerstone of airway management and something that uh, must be practiced. Third, we're going to understand how to identify the difficult airway. <clears throat> Fourth, we're going to review the emergency airway algorithms, specifically the difficult algorithm, the failed airway algorithm, and the crash airway algorithm, as outlined by Dr. Walls in his textbook. And finally, we're going to review some options that are available as rescue airway adjuncts. So some basic definitions. A difficult airway is de defined as where the examination reveals anatomic or physiologic attributes likely to make airway management difficult. Versus a failed airway, we see this is a situation where intubation will not succeed and requires placement of a rescue modality. So it's important distinction between these two definitions. I think commonly we hear providers refer to what a difficult airway is as a failed airway. Dr. Walls uh, in his text uh, is quoted as saying, the difficult airway is something that one anticipates. The failed airway, however, is something that one experiences. And it is through this approach of identifying the physiologic and anatomic attributes of a difficult airway that we are trying to not experience the failed airway. Okay. We'll move on to the algorithms, and these algorithms, again, are outlined in Dr. Wall's textbook, The Manual of Emergency Airway Management. This is the, I took these from the uh, second edition of his text. And the overview of the algorithms begins in the upper left-hand corner here with the patient being unconscious or near death. If they meet this criteria, the answer to that question is yes. Then we move into the crash airway algorithm. If they're not unconscious or near death, then we move into the assessment of whether or not this patient has a difficult airway. If the answer to that is yes, then we will move on to the difficult airway algorithm. If both the crash algorithm and the difficult airway algorithm fail, as outlined in the overview, we will move into the failed airway algorithm. And we'll go through each of these in some detail during this presentation. You'll notice that if, the, if you identify the patient does not have a difficult airway, then to maximize or optimize your ability to intubate the patient, you can move into rapid sequence intubation. This point here in this slide uh, um, may not apply to all of our listeners as many pre-hospital providers do not have this uh, uh, skill set or protocol outlined in their scope of practice. But for those that do, or in the emergency department, if the RSI then fails, we'll move into the failed airway algorithm. Okay, 
with those basic definitions out of the way, let's review bag mask ventilation. Again, this is the foundation for airway management. But the irony is the majority of us are very poor at performing this technique. Um, its success really depends on adequate mask seal and having a patent airway. So what determines a failed bag mask ventilation? If you have placed two nasal trumpets and an oral airway and you still have the inability to ventilate your patient using a two-handed technique, you have essentially failed bag mask ventilation. If this occurs, as we'll see later in the uh, presentation, we will have a failed airway algorithm. Okay, the steps essentially in bag mask ventilation. And again, these are steps that need to be practiced on a recurrent basis. Uh, without practice, this, this technique is actually quite difficult. So the first step essentially is to open the airway. Now you want to do this before you put the mask on the patient. And opening the airway essentially is opening the mouth and then translating the jaw forward. And you can see that in the picture associated here. You have fingers behind the angle of the mandible. He's opening the mouth with uh, his thumbs, rotating it forward and bringing it anteriorly. Once you've opened the airway, the second step is to position the mask in place. Now, you want to position the mask in place without the bag attached. Uh, we see a lot of providers uh, do this. They place both the Ambu bag and the mask on the patient, and they're trying to get adequate seal by holding on to the Ambu bag. You won't get a good seal by doing this. So place the mask on first and then attach the Ambu bag. As shown here in the uh, presentation, you see a single-handed technique and a two-handed technique. And the two-handed is obviously going to be most common. I'm sorry, most effective by having one provider being able to maintain an open and translated jaw and create a good mass seal while the second provider provides ventilations. In a pre-hospital setting, however, I would imagine most instances you will see two providers, one driving an ambulance and one caring for the patient in the back. And it's going to be uncommon that you have two people in the back of the ambulance. So for our pre-hospital providers listening to this talk, make sure that when you have the opportunity on a mannequin or in a simulated setting, practice the single-handed technique uh, because this is a very, very difficult skill. The third step is to bag the patient. And it's important to understand that this is a dynamic process. You need constant reassessment of, um, of your patient, vital signs, your ability to ventilate the patient, uh, improvement in their condition, if it's not working or doesn't appear to be working, it may not necessarily be your, um, it may not be a problem with the patient, but it may be your technique. So some of the pitfalls associated with not working, and you need to keep these in mind if you don't seem to be getting improvement initially. Number one, do you have a good mask seal? And how can you improve your good mask seal? If somebody has a beard, you could uh, place uh, KY jelly or bacitracin on the beard. This will make the mask much more slick and maybe more difficult to hold in position, but should improve your seal. Um, have you used all of your airway adjuncts? Does the patient have a nasal trumpet in place? Do you have an oral airway in place? Third, do you need to redo the jaw thrust? 
And for long transport times, or our rural providers in particular, such as we have here in Iowa, they may be holding this position for 10, 15, 20 minutes, and it may make, uh, may make it very difficult. So consider changing partners if you have that luxury. If you have extra hands, it's also important to consider applying Selex Maneuver. In this uh, pictorial, you see both the thumb and the index finger surrounding the cricoid cartilage and compressing the cricoid cartilage gently in the posterior fashion. The goal here is to compress the esophagus. As you're bagging the patient, your ventilation will not only go into the lung, but it will also fill the stomach and the risk for aspiration will increase. So if you have the opportunity or you have a second partner, consider doing Selex Maneuver uh, during the bag mask ventilation process. The cricoid cartilage uh, is the one ringed cartilage that uh, is a complete circle. It has uh, um, firm cartilaginous structure all the way around versus the tracheal rings, which are a C-shaped ring and soft in the back. So with compression of the cricoid cartilage, you can get compression of the esophagus. And it takes from uh, anywhere between five to six pounds, depending on the source that you read. Dr. Walls is also uh, quoted as uh, saying the first rescue from failed intubation is bag mass ventilation. If you can't intubate somebody, you can bag them. The first rescue, however, from failed bagging is better bagging. And again, it comes back to making sure that your technique and that the adjuncts that you have available are being used to make that successful. Ideally, two-handed, two-person, two-nasal, and one oral airway in place to um, make your bag mask ventilation successful for your patient. A very important skill must be practiced and remains the cornerstone and foundation of airway management today. Okay, those are the... That's the overview of the algorithms, and they're outlined in greater detail in Dr. Wall's textbook, which, again, I would highly recommend anybody pick up. Emergency providers, anesthesiologists, uh, our pre-hospital uh, friends, paramedics, critical care paramedics. Uh, it's a great text, a great resource, and a very easy read, um, but one that you should not miss and should be a part of your um, libraries. We're going to move into rescue devices now. Uh, specifically, I'd like to discuss the uh, gum elastic bougie, a laryngeal mask airway, the intubating laryngeal mask airway, and the laryngeal tube airway. Here at the University of Iowa, we uh, rely on the gum elastic bougie pretty much as first line in our emergency department. And our second line will include a variety of options, but one is the laryngeal tube, or the King LT. And we'll talk about this a little more in detail. It's a fairly new device uh, that, that we like very much here. So the gum elastic bougie is a very long, firm um, device with a hockey stick at the end of it, as you can see in the photos. This hockey stick is designed to be pointed anteriorly, and as you're looking in the patient's uh, oropharynx with your laryngoscope, whether you use a Macintosh or a Miller, you are to aim that hockey stick either between the cords or anteriorly to the posterior arachnoid cartilages. Now this hockey stick, as it's in the anterior position, as you place it in the trachea, you should be able to feel the tracheal rings as you put the device in. 
it's almost like you'll feel a tick, 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 tick as you place the device, knowing that you're in the, in the trachea. Essentially, this becomes the Seldinger technique. Now, this is a two-person technique in the ideal situation. If you're the innovator, in your left hand, you are using the laryngoscope. In your right hand, you have placed the gum elastic bougie through the vocal cords. And now you have this long wire hanging out of the patient's mouth. Do not remove the laryngoscope. Our slide here keep, shows this. Uh, you keep the laryngoscope in place. Now your partner feeds the endotracheal tube over the top of the gum elastic bougie. In turn, you will take the endotracheal tube from your partner and begin to slide it over the gum elastic bougie into the trachea. Your partner will release the endotracheal tube and hold on to the gum elastic bougie. Again, you're watching this take place with a laryngoscope in the person's mouth. Do not take that out during this process. Once you're confident that you're in the position, then your partner, you will instruct your partner to remove the gum elastic bougie and then perform your uh, airway check using end tidal CO2, breast sounds, chest x-ray, um, esophageal tube detector, etc. Now what is Selex Maneuver? Again, uh, basic anatomy review on this chart. It is manual compression of the cricoid cartilage. As you can see from the picture here, the cricoid cartilage sits directly uh, distal to the thyroid cartilage um, and lying between the two is the cricothyroid membrane. The laryngeal mask airway is exactly what it sounds like. It's a uh, mask that fits over the laryngeal structures. As you can see here in the uh, picture, uh, it's a blindly inserted device. You don't use a laryngoscope. You place this in, uh, in blindly. And the angled tip to the end of the LMA is positioned into the esophagus. The balloon is blown up, and that balloon seats around the laryngeal structures, and you ventilate through the port, as you can see on the diagram. There's an intubating laryngeal mask airway, uh, which some folks prefer, and it's essentially, again, a blindly inserted device. Uh, it's placed in position just like the laryngeal mask airway. However, there are special endotracheal tubes that are designed to fit through the tunneled structure of the laryngeal mask airway. So as you place the LMA in, then you feed into the tunnel a special, specially designed endotracheal tube that goes into the trachea. Once that's in position, then you bring the LMA out over the top of this specially designed endotracheal tube and confirm that you're in position. Most recently, however, is the uh, King LT, or the supraglottic airway device. Uh, this has come on the market as recently as 2003. It's a German-born device, and the FDA approved this for adult use. In 2003, it has three sizes, sizes 3, 4, and 5. And in principle, it's very similar to the combi tube. Currently, we are, excuse me, the state of Iowa um, Department of Public Health is considering this device to be placed at the basic level in place of the combi tube. As you'll notice, it's a one port device. There's one balloon 
and it's split essentially into two sections. There's a distal balloon that goes into the esophagus, and then there's a pharyngeal or proximal cuff balloon uh, that sits in the laryngopharynx. The ventilatory port is between those two balloons, but it takes only one syringe to fill it. If it's placed accidentally into the trachea, um, you won't be able to ventilate for the patient because the distal balloon is a closed end. But it's extremely easy to place. You can do it extremely rapidly, um, and you don't have to ventilate and listen to several ports as you do with the combi tube to determine where you are with this. It's quite common that this tube will be placed a little deep, and if that's the case, you simply back the tube out until you hear symmetric breath sounds. Very, very simple device. We seem to like it a lot here at the University of Iowa um, and are encouraging our pre-hospital pre providers to begin using this. The combi tube uh, is extremely popular here in Iowa with our pre-hospital providers, specifically at the uh, basic level. With our scope of practice, EMT basics can place the combi tube. Uh, again, it's another blindly inserted, inserted device, but it has two options. Either it will go into the esophagus roughly 95% of the time or into the trachea about 5% of the time. It is designed to either ventilate the patient directly if you were successful in putting the combi tube in the trachea. You will ventilate through the second port on the combi tube or if it goes into the esophagus, you will ventilate through the first port or the blue port through some fenestrated openings, as you can see in the, um, the diagram. It entails uh, blowing up balloons and um, listening um, to different ports in a certain order uh, to tell you and determine exactly what area you're in. Most commonly, the combi tube does go in the esophagus, but seems to have worked well uh, for our pre-hospital providers at the, at the basic level. So is the airway difficult? Move forward. We have to identify what a difficult airway is. And this is uh, also a skill that takes some practice, but as it's done repetitively, you become extremely efficient at it and should be able to identify these difficult airways in a matter of seconds. So what defines a difficult airway? It's a patient that appears to be or will have difficulty with bag mask ventilation or difficulty with innovation. What predicts difficult bag mask ventilation? Well, the mask. Are you going to be able to get an appropriate seal on your patient? Uh, does the patient have a beard in place? Do they have anatomic uh, uh, difficulties um, uh, that will make it uh, somewhat tenuous to place the mask uh, on or to get appropriate uh, ventilation? Is the patient obese? Very large patients are going to make it difficult for you to appropriately bag or ventilate them um, uh, using the mask alone. Are the patients uh, edentulous? And what do we mean by edentulous? Meaning that the patient has uh, uh, no teeth. One little trick to get around that, if they have no teeth, either you can leave their dentures in place, or if they don't have their dentures in, as you know, when you 
ventilate somebody using a bag mask, the cheek structures, their cheeks will collapse inside their mouth. Make sure that you place, or you can place, uh, gauze rolls on the inside of the cheeks to keep them open. And through your history, if you have the opportunity to get it, do they have stiff lungs? Is their chest compliance going to limit your ability to bag mass ventilate that patient? Specifically, uh, pulmonary fibrosis, asthma, COPD, obstructive and restrictive airway diseases. How do we identify if somebody's going to be a difficult intubation? Number one, first and foremost, always check yourself. Are you nervous? As you look at this patient and you don't feel comfortable intubating them, this is not the person to perform that skill. Um, if you're nervous, that means this is probably going to be a tough intubation. The 332 rule uh, can be checked extremely quick. If the patient can open their mouth and you can put three of your fingers into their mouth, if you can place three of your fingers from the tip of their chin to the angle of the mandible, and then two of your fingers from the angle of the mandible to the um, cricoid cartilage. If all of those fit, that larynx should not be relatively anterior and should help facilitate or make your intubation somewhat easier. The Malampati score is a score um, that you derive from looking in the patient's mouth. A Malampati score class one and the scores range from one through four. If you open the patient's mouth, a score of one, which is the best score that you can get, you should be able to see the tonsillar pillars, you should see the uvula, the soft palate, their tongue, a good view of all the posterior structures in the mouth. All the way up to a class four, as you have the patient open their mouth and all you see is the tongue and maybe some of the hard palate, class four will is, is a predictor of a very difficult airway. So you'd like to see a one, uh, ideally. Do they have an obstruction? Is, does the patient have a muffled voice? Uh, are they having difficulty holding their secretions? Do they have strider? Uh, and their neck mobility. Um, to optimize your view of the uh, vocal cords and the uh, laryngeal structures while intubating, uh, to do some hyperextension is important. Um, but if they uh, have limited neck mobility, I because, either because of trauma or because of musculoskeletal diseases, um, that could uh, predispose here to a difficult innovation. Okay, back to the overview. Um, those are the predictors for the for difficult bag mask ventilation and difficult intubation. If any of those apply, we have a difficult airway. We move yes into our algorithm. Uh, toward the difficult airway algorithm if the patient meets any of those criteria that we just outlined. It's important to, uh, to remember that if they have a difficult airway, if you identify that they have a difficult airway, this may not be the time to do rapid sequence innovation, meaning that you have given them a paralytic. If you've identified that they are difficult to bag or difficult to intubate, it doesn't make sense to paralyze them yet. Um, consider some other options using an awake technique or a rescue device. 
As we move into the difficult airway algorithm, again, we have identified a patient has difficult airway, either meaning they've got difficulty or potentially difficulty with bag mask ventilation or difficulty with innovation. If you do have somebody who has a difficult airway and you're in the hospital setting, consider calling for help. You've got other providers that can help or serve as backup, including anesthesia, surgery, otolaryngology. As you move through the algorithm, as you'll see on the uh, chart, can you maintain their oxygen saturation greater than 90%? If the answer to that is no, and you cannot maintain their saturation with mask ventilation, then you've moved to a failed airway. You cannot bag this patient. And again, remember, placing two nasal and an oral if you can, or they're not contraindicated, two-handed technique, uh, if you can't maintain their oxygen saturation, they have a failed airway. And we'll discuss that algorithm here shortly. If you can't, if their oxygen saturation is not greater than 90%, but you can maintain it with bag mask ventilation, then you move on to whether you determine or predict if an intubation will be successful. So you now can bag the patient. If you predict that intubation should be successful, here to optimize your chances, RSI would be appropriate using a paralytic agent. In uh, Dr. Wall's textbook, they comment on using a uh, double setup, meaning you've paralyzed the patient, although it's still within the difficult airway algorithm, um, prepping the neck using iodine and getting ready for a uh, crash uh, airway technique, such as a cricothyrotomy, is important. If innovation here is not predicted to be successful, we don't want to paralyze the patient, but we want to consider using the awake technique. If you're successful at that, then post-innovation management. If you fail and their oxygen saturation is not high or not maintaining, now we've gotten to a position where we can't bag mask ventilate the patient or innovate the patient. We've gone onto a failed airway algorithm. If their saturations remain good, with bag mask, but you cannot innovate the patient, then we'll move on to other options, including chicrothyrotomy, fiber optic placement, intubating laryngeal mask, or a lighted stylet. This was a small uh, um, time study that we performed here at the University of Iowa, outlining uh, the differences uh, in time to placement as well as success of the laryngeal tube versus endotracheal innovation for a variety of providers. We tested both um, uh, paramedic students, medical students, and our emergency medicine residents, and found to have a significant time difference um, as well as success in placement of the King LT versus endotracheal tube. In summary, again, if you could go back uh, and take one thing away from this talk, it's review and practice bag mask ventilation, the foundation of our airway management and a skill that we don't perform enough to be extremely competent at and needs to be practiced. Remember, before undertaking or jumping to rapid sequence innovation, evaluate the difficulty of the airway at hand. And then make sure you know what you have for your rescue devices and how to use them effectively. Okay, back to the overview. We've gone through the difficult airway identification and the difficult airway algorithm 
if that fails, we'll move into the failed airway algorithm. But I want to jump back up to the top of the algorithm's overview and consider the crash airway algorithm. In this patient, you've identified that they are either unconscious or near death. At this point, we really don't have the luxury of taking time to predict their difficulty. This is the crash airway algorithm. Time to innovate that person right now. So the crash airway begins uh, with bag mask ventilation and an immediate attempt at oral innovation. If you're successful, excellent, you move on to your post-innovation management. If you're not successful, go back to bag mask ventilation. If you're not successful at that, here we have a situation where you can't bag the patient, nor can you innovate. This is a failed airway. If you can bag them, however, to optimize your chances, paralysis is indicated, and then a repeat attempt at intubation. Are you successful? Yes, then move into post-intubation management. If you're not successful, and after three, temp three attempts, then you have a failed airway. And it's time to uh, consider getting some help from your uh, other colleagues or doing a, a surgical technique for management. Now let's talk about the failed airway algorithm. Now we're under the presumption here that either rapid sequence innovation, the difficult airway algorithm, or the crash airway algorithm has failed. If any of these situations occur, we move into the failed airway algorithm, which we'll outline next. The failed airway algorithm begins again with calling for help, if, if you, especially if you're in the hospital setting. Um, you want the person with the best skill set in the room to be helping you out in these situations. So either yourself, if you have the most experience in the room, or if you have otolaryngology or surgery that has done routine cricothyrotomies or anesthesia, have them available to back you up if needed. You move into bag mask ventilation. Are you able to maintain their oxygen saturation? If no, remember we're in the failed airway algorithm. We can't bag the patient. We can't ventilate the patient. If you, if your persistent attempts at bag mask ventilation and optimizing bag mask ventilation is unsuccessful, we move to a cricothyrotomy. This slide may be uh, somewhat inappropriate for our pre-hospital providers, although critical care paramedics in the state of Iowa uh, do have this skill set outlined in the scope of practice. Is bag mask ventilation successful or more maintaining your oxygen saturation greater than 90% in the failed airway algorithm? If yes, we're going to consider going immediately to rescue devices. And I've outlined a few examples here, including the fiber optic uh, innovation using the King LT superglottic airway device or a lighted stylet as just some options. Is this successful? If no, then we go back to our surgical technique. If yes, then we're going to try to place an endotracheal tube with the rescue device in place. Um, if the endotracheal tube placement is, is successful, we have post-innovation management. If it's not successful, you will maintain your rescue device in place and uh, arrange for definitive airway control. I want to thank you for your time, and I'm hopeful that this uh, presentation uh, was of some value to you. Thank you very much.